A very good morning to you. Welcome to our service. Thanks for joining us. My name is Tim Carter. I'm one of the ministers at Brighton Road and my colleague Michael Hogg will be bringing God's word to us later in our service. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. In our worship today, we're going to be thinking about the visit of the wise men, but also beginning to look beyond the birth of Jesus to his growth through childhood into adulthood and at the start of his ministry. We'll be encapsulating 30 years into 60 minutes, if you like. But first, can I invite you to prepare for worship by saying with me the responses that are in yellow on the screen. In all our celebrations this Christmas weekend, may the God of joy be with us. In our looking into 2021, may the God of hope be with us. And in our lamenting the losses of 2020, may the God of peace be with us. In our caring for the world, may the God of love be with us. In our living of life in all its fullness, may we know that God is with us. And so we all have an invitation. Come and join the celebration. As we draw towards the end of this year, where does it feel as though God is to you? 
Is he a long way off, perhaps receding into the distance? Is he hidden in the shadows, so that when you reach out it feels as if perhaps he isn't really there? Does it feel as if he's ignoring you, refusing every attempt on your part to get his attention? Or maybe you're just feeling a bit scared of him, you feel threatened by him at the moment. What difference does the birth of Jesus make? Well, no matter how you feel, in Jesus, God has promised to be with you. And that means that once he's taken your hand, he will never let go. And ultimately, your security doesn't depend on your feelings about him, but on his faithfulness to you. So when we feel helpless and lost, we can pray in the words of our next carol, Holy Jesus, every day keep us in the narrow way. And he'll do that because he's promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you.
The Visit of the Magi After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. What's this? Myrrh. Not top of anyone's wish list this Christmas. Here you go, kiss kiss. Not dawling Kindersley or early learning. Incense burning and myrrh. Did you keep the receipt for returning? Myrrh for a baby. Couldn't you find an urn or a coffin? Did you try cooperative? Death while still at his mother's breast. Final breath before words expressed. Who do you think you are? Seeing stars travel far straight from your bar in the east with your myrrh. I mean, how do you even say it? Myrrh. Myrrh. Why are there no vowels? I mean, thanks at least for coming to this nativity, but I wish you'd considered more practicality. Like a cot, this manger's not exactly palatial. Who would think to give a baby myrrh? That today's baby-raising craze, is it? Put him to bed, calm him with incense, then embalm him. Stop him crying in the night. Right. Myrrh for a baby, myrrh for a murder. Mother cries he's innocent, but no one heard her. Wise men, more like wise guys. Who says to a mother, here's a gift for when your son dies? Myrrh for a baby. Maybe a tad crazy, he's only recently post-fetus, Jesus. Life's barely started, and here you are talking about dearly departed. Myrrh, you sure? Not been drinking too much ame or schlur or something stronger. See, goal for a king. Myrrh for a murder. How will those two ever tally? Sorry, pal, he's worth more than odour. His birth brings a new order. He won't be herded like a lamb to the slaughter, will he? Myrrh for a baby. Myrrh for a murder. Mother cries he's innocent, but no one heard him. 
You've crossed the distance for this one, so as it's Christmas this month, I'll accept your kind gift. Kiss, kiss. Though I can't imagine it's going to be quite as relevant as a cuddly elephant. Did you just have some vouchers for the myrrh store? Myrrh for a baby. What's it for?
Jesus presented in the temple. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Can I lead you in prayer? At this time of year, Christmas itself can distract us from its purpose and its sourcing God. At a time of looking back, we may well have regrets. In looking forward, we can be fearful and anxious about what is to come. It can be hard to be faithful, as Simeon and Anna were year after year. And we struggle to be grateful when we see loss, fear and destruction in the world. Lord, we find it hard to turn to you when we are distracted by this season. We struggle to look ahead with you into another year of uncertainty. But you are God with us. You know all of this and still you love us. God with us, you know all of this and, and still you come, inviting us to come close to you. So set us free from our fears and our struggles.
Heal us of our hopelessness. Forgive us our mistakes. Open our hearts to know that you are with us, your spirit filling us, your love guiding us, this day and in the days to come. God with us, you know our world. We open our hearts and minds to you, sharing our concerns, listening to your concerns and your call to us to act. We think of a baby laid in a manger and we pray for all mothers and babies and those who support them. With a father learning a new role, we pray for all at new beginnings and to live with uncertainty because of them. We pray for those who've lost their jobs and with them their security, their identity and their purpose. With Simeon and Anna, we pray for all who wait in hope or fear for life or death. And we pray for those who are on the verge of giving up hope because they've waited so long. And we dare to pray for better things in this coming year, a, tra a safe transition into Brexit, increasing freedom from COVID-19, for deliverance from all kinds of evil. Lord, look upon the state we're in and have mercy, we pray. And with your Son, we pray for your will to be done and your kingdom to come on earth as in heaven. With those in poverty, we pray for daily bread and a transformation of the systems and an end to the exploitation that entraps them. With all of creation, we pray for climate justice and awakening to our responsibilities. Lord, you are God with us. Send your Spirit to transform and guide us and to work through us to transform this world and to bring it into line with your ways and purposes. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Now may Mary's son who 
If Jesus Was Born Today, adapted from a poem by Steve Turner. If Jesus was born today, it would be in a downtown motel marked by a helicopter's flashing bulb. A traffic warden working late would be first upon the scene, and later, at the expense of a TV network, an eminent sociologist, the host of a chat show, and a controversial author would arrive with their good wishes. The whole occasion to be filmed as part of the Is This the Son of God? one-hour special. Childhood would be a blur of photographs and speculation, dwindling by his late teens into Where is he now? features in Sunday magazines. If Jesus was 30 today, they wouldn't really care about his public ministry. They'd be too busy investigating his finances, trying to prove he had church or mafia connections. The miracles would be explained by an eminent and controversial magician. His claims to be God's son, recognised as excellent examples of spoken English and immediately incorporated into the GCSE syllabus. His sinless perfection, considered by moral philosophers as okay, but a bit repressive. If Jesus was 31 today, he'd be the fly in everyone's ointment, the sort of controversial person who stands no chance of eminence. Totalitarian regimes would expel him, capitalists would exploit him, or have him smeared by people who knew a thing or two about God. Doctors would accuse him of crackery. Soldiers would accuse him of cowardice. Theologians would take him aside and try to persuade him of his non-existence. If Jesus was 32 today, we'd have to end it all. Heretic, fundamentalist, literalist, Puritan, pacifist, non-conformist. We'd take him away and quietly end the argument. But the argument would rumble in the ground at the end of three days and would break out and walk around as though death was some bug saying, I am the resurrection and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And while the magicians researched new explanations and the semanticists wondered exactly what he meant by I and no one, there would be those who stand around amused, asking for something called proof. So far we've had two readings, one from Matthew, one from Luke. Now both these Gospel writers introduced Jesus to us as the baby in Bethlehem, but Mark has no interest in that part of the story. In his Gospel, John the Baptist comes to prepare the way of the Lord, the one who he says will baptise in the Holy Spirit, and then Jesus appears. He is identified at his baptism as God's beloved son, and then he disappears into the wilderness. Six weeks later, he turns up in Galilee, and the first words we hear from him are words of challenge and opportunity. This is the moment. God's kingdom is on its way. Now is the time to change your mind and believe the good news. The reading is from Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 1. The beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet. 
I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptising in the desert region and pe preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the River Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news.
We celebrate at this time of year how Jesus Christ was given freely to us. Born in Bethlehem, he became the prophet from Nazareth with a mission and a message that would change the entire world and brings a challenge to each of our lives. Today, we read how Mark tells us that Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And this is the message that Jesus brought. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus speaks of the timing and closeness, the immediacy and availability of the kingdom of God, of the need for repentance and belief in the authenticity and life-changing, society-changing power of the gospel. Will we be those who respond by embracing this message personally for ourselves? Will we as a nation turn back to God, turning to God in our time of great need? We come to the end of 2020 and we take time to reflect upon what is past and we look ahead to what might be to come. Though if 2020 has taught us anything, it is not to place our confidence in our own ability to predict or determine our days ahead. Let's hear Jesus' message afresh. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. So Jesus encouraged his listeners to do two things. Repent and believe. I want this morning to focus upon the first of these two commands. Repent. Throughout scripture we see the repeated clear command to repent. In the Old Testament, God pleaded with his people through his prophets. Let's take the example of two of them, Isaiah and Jeremiah. God promises through Isaiah that the Redeemer comes to those who repent of their sins and that 
in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. However, the people stubbornly sought to ride it out in their own strength, thinking they could rescue themselves from trouble. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore your pursuers will be swift. And Jeremiah laments, none of them repent of their wickedness, saying, what have I done? Each pursues his own course like a horse charging into battle. He prays, Lord, do your eyes not look for truth? You struck them, but they felt no pain. You crushed them, but they refused correction. They made their faces harder than stone and refused to repent. But God promises, if you repent, I will restore you, that you may serve me. So God lovingly reminds his people, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Wise young King Solomon prays to God regarding his people faced with their sin. If they have a change of heart and repent and plead with you and say, we have sinned, we have done wrong and have acted wickedly. And if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul and pray to you, then hear their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause and forgive your people. You who have, who have sinned against you, forgive all the offences they have committed against you. There is a great need for us to humble ourselves before our holy God, turning from sin and turning to him. Repentance is about change, change of heart and change of direction. A later king, King Hezekiah, repented of the pride of his heart and did the and as did the people of Jerusalem. You see, sinful rebellion against God begins in the heart and works through our lives. God knows our hearts and our actions. And with the New Testament, we see the continued call for repentance. John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John was not calling for the illusion of change, but real change. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And as Jesus begins preaching and proclaiming the kingdom, repentance is a vital part of that message. 
Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And he speaks about how there is great rejoicing in heaven, or in the presence of the angels of God, over one sinner who repents. True repentance is a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of direction and action. And as Jesus sends out his first disciples, we read how they went out and preached that people should repent. This was their message, accompanied by signs and wonders, healings and deliverance to demonstrate that the kingdom of God was at hand. Yet there were those who even with Jesus in their midst, even in the midst of miracles, refused to turn from sin and turn fully to him. Listen to Jesus' strong words. Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Indeed, Jesus issued strong warnings. Unless you repent, you too will all perish. And Jesus commissioned his church to continue to preach repentance as the requirement for the forgiveness of sins. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. In fact, Peter's message on the day of Pentecost was an outworking of this prophecy. Peter prioritised the need for genuine heart-rending repentance. When the people heard Peter's message about Jesus, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Peter continues in this vein in a later message. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. In fact, Peter preaches that the reason God sent and exalted his son Jesus was that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. Yet it wasn't just Israel, it was a message for all the nations, Gentiles included. Even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Peter later writes that the Lord is 
patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And the Apostle Paul echoes this need for repentance, saying that God commands all people everywhere to repent. In fact, Paul spells it out. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. So may we be those who hear and respond to the twin commands of Jesus, repent and believe. God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. A change of heart, a change of direction, as we leave 2020 behind and enter 2021. May the Lord bless you as you enter into a new year with peace, grace and his loving kindness that leads each and every one of us into repentance. Amen.
this very special time of the year, and as we all face an uncertain 2021, Arm and I would love to bless you all from down under here in sunny Australia. We are distanced by miles, but close by our hearts and our love. May you experience the love of the Holy Spirit in your family and in your country in these special times. May the wonder of that first Christmas, the joy of God's abundant blessings, and the peace of Jesus' presence be with you always. May you be filled with the wonder of Mary, the obedience of Joseph and the joy of the angels, and the peace of the Christ child. And finally, may the true spirit of Christmas shine in your heart and light your path. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever this Christmas time. Wishing you and your loved ones a blessed Christmas. Happy, Happy Christmas! Christmas. Love of the Father.